This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Thuramor, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Thuramor, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Man, I'm so excited to be here. Okay, so... Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that's really a hotbed topic. It's a mystery. (laughs) So that's why it's like, okay, what do we do with this? Uh, So when somebody has a word from the Lord, that's the thing we're talking about today and what that's supposed to, uh, what that can look like. So Because this is going to come up a lot in prayer ministry. If we're going to be involved in seeking the Lord, praying, we're trying to hear from the Lord we we want to speak to the Lord, but we also would desire for the Lord to speak to us. So whenever you're going to say things like that, then you're going to, where the expectation is that the Lord is going to speak. And so what is he saying? And how do we know he said it? And those things. So we're, we'll get into that today. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, inevitably, when we get into this topic, what is on the line and, and where a lot of fear comes in is the integrity of scripture. Mm-hmm. And that is so valuable. Like, I love when people are like, we want to protect the integrity of scripture. Oh yeah. We want to fight that fight. Yeah. That's the right fight to fight. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the right battle. So what happens is when people are like, oh, we can't prophesy, you know, because if you prophesy, you have to get it a hundred percent right every single time. And they're thinking like future prediction must be right in every way. And that's what prophecy is. And they're, they're basically citing uh, Deuteronomy 18, 20 inevitably comes up, which says, but the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. (laughs) 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 That's a, that's, it's really serious. And yeah. so the question we're going to ask and answer first here is, is that the same thing as the church age mm-hmm. form of prophecy, the New Testament? Mm-hmm. What do you think, Patrick? No, I, I don't think it's the same. I think there's something new happening. The reason why is because the Bible seems to present prophecy differently in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant and in the New Testament, New Covenant in Christ, the Bible talks about it differently. And I think primarily the difference is that it's not something that is given to an individual for a moment as the Spirit comes upon them to empower them. You know, the Spirit rushes upon someone or the way the language of the Old Testament and the relationship of people to the Holy Spirit is different. It's much more limited and, and so, and not limited necessarily to that one person's experience, the Holy Spirit did amazing things in the past, you know, amazing power exerted through people, but the scope, 
the scope seems so much smaller in the Old Testament, where now in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is given to all people who put their faith in Jesus. So a much more broad scope of who has the Spirit, who could hear from the Spirit, who is the Spirit speaking to? All of us. He's speaking to all of us. And so that's different. That's definitely different. And I think that's where a lot of the tension comes in is now, rather than these select few, literally select, you know, these select few prophets hearing from the Lord or having this responsibility of speaking on behalf of the Lord to the rest of us, now we have the same spirit living inside millions of people on the planet. And that's hard to control. And that freaks all of us out a little bit, I think. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. If it doesn't if that doesn't freak you out a little bit, then you know, maybe you're just it just doesn't matter that much to you. So for those of us who, like you said, the integrity of scripture really matters. We want to truly hear from God. We don't want to just think we heard from God. We don't want to just assume or presume like the Deuteronomy passage says to presume to speak. We don't want to be presumptuous. We want to know or have some very high degree of certainty, at least in faith, that the Lord has spoken to us and wants us to share something. So that's where I think it gets touchy, is the it seemed good to the Lord to share his spirit with so many people, with all of that power and all of those giftings. And, and you know, as the scriptures say in, the, in 1 Corinthians, as Paul said, the spirit gives these gifts to whom he wills. Uh, but he also says to the entire church at Corinth that they should all earnestly desire to prophesy. He hoped that they would all prophesy. So I think it is different. And if I could just, well, let, let me throw it back to you. You know, what do you think? Does that all make sense? Yeah. So I would cite First Corinthians 14, which is where we can go to get a little bit more substance mm -hmm. to this conversation. So let's just start from the beginning. First Corinthians 14, it's just gone through 13, which is all about love, 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 love. And then it says in verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy mm -hmm. for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So the first he says, pursue prophecy. So if we're actually caring about the integrity of scripture and we want to do what it says to do, mm -hmm. then we need to pursue prophecy. <laughs> right. Right. Like we're actually not protecting the integrity of scripture by saying no prophecy because right. that's what it says. That to would do. be neglecting a lot of scripture. Yeah. Right. Clear commands. Clear commands. So then he gives a little definition. It's sadly, it's not more specific. I wish it was more specific, mm -hmm. <laughs> but what it says about new Testament prophecy is the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Mm -hmm. So I use this as a framework. If I'm going to prophesy generally, I don't share doom and gloom things as a rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I generally don't share those things because this says it's for upbuilding encouragement and consolation. Um, I do think correction can come, especially from words of knowledge. I we're about, we're going to do another episode that talks about stories. And I have some stories where there were, there were sin issues revealed and miraculously revealed. Right. And, and, and that is to be shared differently than a word of encouragement. 
Sure. You know, a word of encouragement, you would, you'd say it in front of everybody. You're trying to build this person up. So you could probably share that in front of anybody, but a word of correction or exposing sin or something, you'd want to be just out of love and out of honor towards a person. You know, you'd share that differently. You'd be more sensitive, more private about something like that, right? Sure. How is this different than Old Testament prophecy? Because, you know, some people who are listening may still be carrying that idea of, well, I don't want to imagine that I heard something from the Lord and then try to speak on his behalf and I was wrong. I mean, that's a horrifying thought and it should be a horrifying thought, you know, that we would misrepresent the Lord, you know, or, or say that the Lord is saying something and he really wasn't or something. So we, we do want to be really careful about that. But, you know, back to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, he's saying, what then, brothers... When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So as he said before, building up, this is about encouragement. This is about building each other's faith and, and helping one another. That So the Spirit is giving gifts, including prophetic gifts, so that the church will be built up. And according to Paul, the expectation is when you come together, each one, and and included in that is revelation, which we would say is you know, knowledge from the Lord, something that the Lord is saying, or a tongue with an interpretation so that it's understood that the Lord is speaking and that these things should be done for building up. That that in Paul's mind, at least in the church in Corinth, and we'd have to imagine, you know, the Lord gave us this scripture to instruct us, this is to be a normal experience in the life of the church, that the Lord is sharing something with us. He is revealing things to us and entrusting them to us to reveal to each other. That obviously can feel, you know, somewhat dicey. That can feel uncertain. And it take, it requires spiritual discernment and it requires faith. It requires faith in the scripture, faith in one another, but ultimately, of course, faith in the Lord yeah. that he can speak clearly and he can cause us to understand him um, and he can help us to interpret what we are understanding from him so that we can share it with others. This requires a lot of care, a lot of thoughtfulness. Uh, uh, and and so it's not something to be taken lightly. We're not just throwing out prophetic words all the time. This says the Lord, thus says the Lord. We're we're being careful. So that but the idea that this is supposed to be normal in the life of the church, normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. That's a that's a it's a really wild thought that it could be normal in the life of a local church that the Lord is revealing things, speaking sure. things that we can hear from him in this way and not to replace scripture ever, of course. Yeah, never. We're, we're never, of course, if you ever thought you it heard something. It should affirm scripture. Exactly. If we ever think that we're hearing something from the Lord that would be contrary or in disagreement with scripture, we throw it out immediately. It's like, clearly, if we are disagreeing with the Bible, we are wrong, you know, sure. and it just has to be our default position. So, but I will say this, if your mindset when you come together is Deuteronomy 1820 is what prophecy is today. Mm -hmm. And if I'm ever wrong ever, <laughs> then I'm out. This is, I'm a false prophet. Right. No one will ever obey First Corinthians fourteen in right. the gathering. Never, they right. won't. Yeah, it's too terrifying. It's too risky, and right. God's. 
I'm reminded, I love C.S. Lewis, so I'm reminded just of like his description of Aslan, which is God, he's untamed, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like this. To experience the mystery part, which is commanded in scripture, we got to wade a little bit. We can't just, mm-hmm. just totally close ourselves off to right being, it's, it's just, it's like any other gifting in the sense, in certain senses, it's, it's like other giftings. When I teach something, and I change position on something because I was wrong before and I studied the word more and I got a better description. I need to, I make adjustments mm-hmm. and I, I don't think prophecy is that different. I mean, when you're wrong, you need to ask for forgiveness. <laughs> you need <laughs> yes. to repent when you're wrong. Yes, of course. Yeah. Just like a teacher does, you know, I mean, we have people standing up in our churches every single week and offering teaching authoritatively They're standing up to teach the Word of God, and no teacher who's worth any kind of respect at all in any of our churches would say they've never been wrong when they taught, when they preached a sermon. You know, I mean, how arrogant would it be to say, no, I've always been completely right. We've all changed our minds. We've all grown in our understanding. Uh, I've been very critical of people in the past that now I'm huge fans of, you know, because I, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've realized I was wrong about something and I, you know, I, I shouldn't have criticized them or I, I shouldn't have judged them the way I did. So we, you know, I have to admit that I was wrong in my discernment or in my judgment of, of something just like I have to be, I have to be willing to admit if I was wrong the way I taught something, I, I have been wrong. And I've had to correct myself. So I I think similarly with prophecy, it's a gift that's given to the church and the church needs to steward it well and with humility. And we need to be able to say when we were wrong, test everything, hold fast to what is good. Speaking about prophecy, don't despise prophecy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. In the context of prophetic words being received and delivered in the church, Paul is saying, be careful with it, test it, make sure it's it's in agreement with what you already know from the Lord, but don't despise it. Don't, don't treat it as dangerous, or certainly don't forbid it, but, but definitely abstain from any kind of error or any kind of evil. So, you see how that feels different from Old Testament prophecy where it's like, hey, if they're wrong in my name, stone them, you know, and just like right. off with your head kind of thing. Where in the New Testament, Paul's teaching is more delicate. It's more gentle. There's more room for, hey, deal with errors. You know, he doesn't say, uh, don't despise prophecy, kill everyone who's wrong. <laughs> right. He doesn't say that. Right. You know, he says, test it. And then hold fast to what's good. So there's a sifting process. There could be a lot of good with some error that we need to we need to expose and correct. So, I, I, and here's if I could, I know I'm 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 a bit long winded on this, but I'm in a local church and I'm in leadership, and we're trying to put these things into practice. So here's what I see in myself, and here's what I see in others. Okay, for those of us, especially those of us who grew up in churches that don't practice they they didn't practice prophecy tongues interpretation these these more delicate kind of you know dangerous feeling gifts that the spirit gives you know uh where we're like gosh i don't want to be wrong you know of, of course but those of us who grew up in these churches that don't practice these things we've only ever really imagined that these gifts would come through an audible voice 
you know, right through a vision. It's like we we want we want to receive something from the Lord that cannot be missed. There's no way you could be wrong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no way you could miss it. That way you have 100% certainty that what you're saying is true. And I want that certainty. Man, I want that. But that's really not exactly the picture that we get the way the New Testament talks about prophecy, that there is a sifting, there is an interpretation, there's a weighing and a testing that has to happen because the Lord doesn't always make it so clear. Which, by the way, could could I just mention an Old Testament example of, of it not always being so clear? So you remember... Um, Aaron and Miriam speak against Moses. They grumble against him and, and the Lord takes them aside and is like, this is what he says. <laughs> okay. Uh, numbers 12. He said, hear my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. So in his rebuke of them, he's saying, listen, I speak face to face with him. I speak clearly with him. He doesn't have to interpret or, or seek to understand what I'm saying to him. I speak like two people face to face with the other prophets, dreams, visions, riddles, not as clear. So Moses had a different position among the people of God where it was easier for him to understand the Lord speaking. And I, I think that's true of us today. Now, I, I don't want to think if the only way I'll ever give a prophetic word is if the Lord treats me like Moses. He just comes down and meets with me face to face. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm not speaking. You know, I think that, that, that there's a reverence there and a fear of the Lord that's good, but it can also tip toward fear that's not from the Spirit. Sure because we're afraid, we're too afraid to be wrong in order to actually try to be right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it lacks a, an element of faith. Yeah. Um, we, we have to have faith when we go into, especially the mysterious gifts that are not quantifiable mm -hmm. in our intellectualized Western society. Like we just can't quantify them. And so we don't want to do them. Right. They're um, not, they're not human proof. Yeah, they're not human proof. And and there is the possibility that you can be wrong and that makes it scary, but mm -hmm. but we are commanded to do it. And when we do it, God does stuff and it's like super cool. It <laughs> it's, is. it's so cool when it, it actually really does is. happen. Yeah, and, and Paul talks about that, you know? It's like if, if an outsider, an unbeliever came into a gathering and everybody's speaking in tongues, back to 1 Corinthians 14, Everybody's speaking in tongues. They're just going to think you're out of your minds, you know, because they don't know what you're saying, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. But if they come in and everyone's prophesying, then something different happens. Then the, the secrets of their hearts are disclosed and they know that God is really among you because truth that couldn't be known apart from a, a miraculous revelation is being expressed through human beings that manifests the presence of God, even to an unbeliever. They would say, God is really among you. They fall on their face. That's, that's Paul's expectation. So, uh, I mean, we, we want that. We want that in our churches. God manifesting his power, his presence, what only God knows is revealed so that the church is built up, so that unbelievers know God is there and with them they can turn to him in faith. We want that. 
so badly in our churches. So we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to despise prophecies. We want to test everything, hold fast to what's good for sure. What else would you say, Mike? Practically, what does this look like is a really important question. And I'm going to share a little bit about um, what it looks like. And I think Patrick's going to talk a bit about how it can look like on a, a church level because we want to honor scripture when we do it. We want to be super intentional. Um, I've seen that at our church, uh, just being intentional. People aren't just saying whatever. I mean, I've had a time I went to Patrick, we were in the middle of church and I'm like, Patrick, I think I have this thing, this element of it, but not this one. And Patrick said, just keep it. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's right. You had a, uh, you, you believed you had a, um, a word in a tongue. Yeah. But you, but you said, but I don't have the interpretation. So <laughs> we just said, well, does anybody believe they have it? And nobody said anything. So it was like, all right, just pray to you the Lord, it, you know, yeah. to your credit, Mike, you were so mature. I mean, the way you handled that, uh, you didn't try to just come up with an interpretation or whatever. Uh, and you received, sure. you know, and to be clear, I, I don't speak in tongues out loud, um, in a service unless it's like the Lord's like really highlighting a specific sentence or something mm -hmm. that, that I believe that he's given me interpretation for. We'll, we'll do a tongues episode. I'm sure. Yeah, sure. But okay. But, but you do have on that personal level of trying to understand when you've received something yeah. from the Lord. So I believe scripture says we have a we are seeking to constantly renew our mind in Christ, right? And have the spirit and the focus of our, our mind. And so in first Corinthians two sixteen it says for who has understood the mind of the Lord. So as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ hmm. in Romans eight, nine, it says you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, if, if you are saved today, you're listening to this podcast, you know, Jesus, you have a relationship with him. You have the spirit of God in you. Amen. And so what you have to do is stop acting like you don't have the spirit of God in you. You do have the spirit of God in you who speaks mysteries. So you can receive thoughts from the spirit. And I believe he gives us a lot of thoughts if we're open to it. Hmm. If we're walking in the spirit daily, he will give us thoughts. I think that's part of the practice of First Thessalonians that says, pray without ceasing. When I'm praying, God will give me things. So how do I determine if this is from the Lord, mm -hmm. if this is from the enemy, if this is a bad cheeseburger, <laughs> some people say. Why? Why do we always say that? I don't know why we say that. It doesn't really make that much <laughs> pizza. sense. Pizza. I don't understand why we always think pizza is going to bring false prophecy. <laughs> it doesn't really. But the point is, is it nothing? Is it the enemy trying to confuse me? Is it God? Like, what? what is this word? And so... I take it through a process, a very intentional process. And this happens largely at church. Like I'm at church, we're worshiping, we're praying. And sometimes the Lord just gives me something for somebody. Sometimes I ask for something because I see somebody, I'm like, I think they're in pain right now. Lord, can you share something with me for them specifically? To encourage, to build up, to, to encourage them. Yeah. yeah. And so what happens is if I receive something, I first say, scripture. Does this align with the whole of scripture? Not mm. maybe just one verse, but like, is it, is the whole of scripture in alignment with this mm. word? And I try to think of verses. I even try to add a verse to it. If I'm sharing it with somebody, a, a lot of times, most of the time I want to share a verse with them of scripture because that's going to affirm it for them too. Mm. Right. So I take it through that process. 
then I asked the Lord, do you want to share this with them right now? Or do I need to wait and hold on to it? Uh, and I've had times where God says, wait, yeah, wait, don't share this right now. And sometimes I've had to say, you know, a next question is, do I need to fast and pray over this? I had one of these recently where I really had to pray and wait for, it, it was like I had received it one day. I wanted to share with them and I ended up waiting for um, the weekend and then I, and I was praying through it and then I ended up seeing them again. I didn't know I would, but I saw them again at a church service and the Lord was like, okay, now's the time. Mm. So, uh, and then I'll ask the Lord, can you be more specific actually? <laughs> so, because, and this is the reason for this, um, I in my flesh want to be as general as possible. So as not to be yes. wrong. Yes. I'm like, I want to make it so shotgun right. that there's no way I can get this wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and they'll be encouraged to possibly be great, Lord. But the most encouraging words, the ones that show the Lord is with us even more powerfully is when it's specific. Yes. And, but it's the scariest one. Mm -hmm. And so I've started, this is more recent. I've been like, Lord, can you be more specific? Is mm -hmm. there something more specific you want to share about what's going on I in their love life? That. I think that's a great prayer. So, and I've had one recently, he actually said, no, <laughs> he didn't give me more specifics. Mm. That's the one I had to pray through for the whole weekend before I shared it, because it, it was kind of a sensitive relationship thing too. And so, um, so yeah, that's basically, those are kind of the main points mm -hmm. that I go through with the Lord before I share a word at all. Yeah. Okay. So re recap that for me. You said first scripture. Scripture. Every time, always take it through scripture, share a scripture with them that affirms what you're saying. So that first, second, is this word for them right now? Mm. Or do you want to hold on to it? Is it not time to share that yet? Yeah. Uh, do I need to fast and pray over this? Especially if it's like a long-term thing, do I, I need to wait and maybe Lord, you'll give more specifics as I go along. Mm -hmm. uh, do I need to wait on this? Right. And Lord, can you be more specific? Right, right. Do you want me to share more specifically with them? Yeah, I think that's so good. So, you know, what, what that reminds me of is um, earlier in 1 Corinthians, before Paul has gotten into the specific teaching on these supernatural gifts from the Spirit, he's speaking about the Spirit and our relationship with the Spirit. And he, this is what he says, 1 Corinthians 2.14 the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. Uh, this, to me, this is what we're talking about. This spiritual discernment to understand the things of the Spirit of God. What is he saying? What does he want? And, and for us to be interacting with the Spirit of God in this way with discernment from the Spirit of God makes all the difference. So if we're trying to be overly intellectual, it, it requires our logic, it requires us to know everything, it requires no faith, then I, I think we're seeking for something that we're not going to find. You know, some, something that feels safe to us is probably not going to be that effective for its purpose, which is to build up, encourage, console. To your point, the most specific kinds of words that are going to give the building up, the encouragement, the consolation are the ones that are the scariest to give. They require more faith because 
you believe you've spiritually discerned something from the Spirit of God that you couldn't have understood, you couldn't have known apart from that revelation. And so you're delivering something that would have some real punch, spiritually some real punch, um, where if you were just vague about it, if you were saying something you could say to anybody, you know, and you, you try to soften it and take all the edges off of it so that it can, they could make sense of it, they could fit it somewhere into their life, um, then that doesn't have much punch, you know. So speaking of this spiritual discernment about the things of the Spirit of God, the context of that verse is what's amazing to me. The context of the verse is that Paul came to Corinth just preaching Christ crucified. He said, I didn't come to you with lofty human wisdom and speech. I just came preaching Christ and him crucified, not in human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, demonstration of the spirit's power so that their faith wouldn't rest in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So it feels to me, whether personally or in the church uh, as a whole, before revelations, tongues, interpretations, any other supernatural gift from the Spirit will be normal for us or normal in our gatherings, we need to learn to discern and accept the, the things of the Spirit of God and not treat them like folly, not treat them like they're foolishness, like they're weird, like they're unexpected but treat this, the things of the Spirit of God like we expect them and that they're good and we desire them eagerly and, and to, dim, to, to be practicing and asking the Lord for that spiritual discernment that comes from Him. And that doesn't mean that we just accept everything that's called a revelation. There's, there's yeah. a testing process. Like you said personally, you're going through a process of discernment. That you, This is your process the Lord's giving you for discerning the things of the Spirit of God. And it's a great process. And we should practice that same process together as, as a church. So, so we don't just listen and receive everything. We listen closely to the Lord with our spirits. We heed the warnings, 1 Corinthians 14, 39, earnestly desire to prophesy and don't forbid tongues. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, like we mentioned before, don't quench the Spirit, don't despise prophecy, test everything, Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every for, form of evil. Uh, I think that's discernment. That's us practicing discernment about the things of the Spirit of God. And we can do that together. And, and I think the result is going to be good. You know, if we're doing that in faith and out of love for the Lord and desire for the Lord to be honored and glorified and for His, his power to be demonstrated so that people's faith is in Him and His power and not in any human wisdom— I think we're going to land in a place where uh, where the Spirit is really speaking and we're really discerning and we're really testing and holding fast to what is good. And if we're holding fast to good things revealed by the Spirit, that's good for everybody. Yeah. And to clarify, I mean, right now, the f- mode of prophecy that we're talking about here primarily is a word of knowledge for people personally. Mm. Um, so in terms of like... We've talked, I share my practical process personally on a personal level, but on a church level, say you're at church and somebody wants to share something. How do you do that? Like with the elders and the, you know, the Bible prescribes this eldership dynamic where 
there's judgment before you share something. Mm -hmm. Um, is that for every word? Is it, even if it's personal, is that more for just a church where, I don't know, like, what do you think about that? Right. Well, what you said, the statement you made is there's judgment before you share something. And I think there could be, you know, that person needs to judge for themselves. Like you said, the personal process of discerning, is this from the Lord? Is this something that the Lord would say? Does it agree with what he's already said? So there's judgment happening before something's shared. But then in the context of the church in Corinth, there is, there's judgment happening after something is shared. A prophet, a few prophets speak and the others weigh what is said, like what has been said. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so prophecies are given and then the church goes, okay, what, what are we, <laughs> what are we going to hold fast to? And what are we going to abstain from? We're not going to despise prophecy, but we are going to test it. And so that testing process, I, I think for the most part is it requires you to allow for the possibility of error, first of all, the leaders of the church have to feel safe enough under God's sovereign leadership of his church, the work of the Spirit of God, that it's possible for someone to be wrong and, church, and your church did not just become some heretical dumpster fire. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. somebody can say, I believe the Lord is saying, which is a, just, by the way, I think a good practice. I believe the Lord is saying, I think the Lord is saying, mm. I believe I've heard, not thus says the Lord. I, I think it's, I think it's prideful to speak in that way. Um, I'm not saying it's forbidden by the Bible, but in general, I think we should avoid speech like that. Thus says the Lord. Yeah. It just lacks the humility that, that I think we would, we would have if we were reading the new Testament and the view of prophecy there where if you just say, thus says the Lord, then you've completely cut out the whole idea of anybody weighing it. Yeah. And you're, it sounds like you're claiming the authority of Deuteronomy 1820. Sure. Is what you're doing. It sounds like you're claiming Old Testament biblical authority when you say it that way. Yeah. A lot of people I, I, who, I just don't think they're maybe intending that. And right. so you gotta have grace and work with people, but yeah, like yeah. that's, that's what it comes off as. And we don't want to do that. So I, I fully affirm, right. I think, I believe the Lord saying this right. uh, is a really good, humble way to approach it. Yeah. And, and then that, that gives, what you're doing is you're inviting everybody to weigh what is said. Okay, I believe yeah. the Lord is saying this and you're submitting that word to the church. That's, that's what Paul is talking about. That's the, that's the whole context and the spirit of first Corinthians 14 is I believe I've heard from the Lord. I submit it to the church to be weighed. And and if you say, no, that couldn't be from the Lord, or you tried to predict something, you, you believe the Lord revealed something to you that was going to happen, that thing didn't happen, then you've got to be humble enough to say, hey, I got it wrong. You know, but if you start, if you lead out with thus says the Lord, you know, <laughs> then man, you're going to end up looking bad, you know? Sure. And so, um, you know, maybe that's just got to happen to some of us, but we, but in, in that corporate context, I think the, the process just has to be led by the leaders. There has to be this, this spirit of humility about prophecy. I believe the Lord has said, um, and, and now I'm submitting that word either to the individual or to the whole body to weigh it, uh, to test it, you know, to just according to your process, personally test it against the word, uh, test it against what we know from experience, um, it, if you predict something and it doesn't happen, then the test is pretty easy, you know, and, and then everybody comes back together and we need to say whether or not it was right. 
You know, we, if, if it was right, praise the Lord. If it was wrong, praise the Lord. He, he revealed it. We tested it. And, and the Lord gave us discernment. And now we know the truth about that, you know. Um, and, and I think here's a real critical part of it in the corporate sense. As a church leader, we have to really avoid despising prophecy instead of testing it. So if somebody gets something wrong and we make a public spectacle of them, we shame them, we forbid them from ever prophesying again, I believe we're despising prophecy at that point. We're, we're creating a culture that makes us afraid to try to prophesy when the Bible says earnestly desire to prophesy. So if someone's earnestly desiring, they're sincere, they believe they've heard from the Lord, and then they got something wrong, you know, or mm. maybe they just said, hey, I think the Lord is saying this to you. And the person's like, I don't, that wouldn't make any sense to me. Yeah. You know, well, then we want to be able to encourage and help that person who's seeking to prophesy, not shame them, not forbid them. So that's just another element. And of not how joke it about out. it. Yeah. Mock them. Joking is, uh, man, I've been in con context where it becomes toxic, mostly because of joking as a method to try to alleviate a situation in a, mm -hmm. a chill way. But mm -hmm. the problem is it ends up producing fear to do anything. Yeah. Uh, accidentally. Or, yeah. Fear also flippancy where yeah. it's no big deal that somebody got it wrong. Well, no, if it was wrong, then that's serious. And what that means is that person needs to work on hearing from the Lord as we all do. Sure. You know, it's like whatever your process was for discerning that you didn't discern it. And so let's, let's come alongside you and encourage you and build you up and help you to discern rather than just blow it off. Like, Oh, you missed one, you know, swing and a miss, you know, you get three strikes or something like that. Yeah. If we just blow it off and we're flipping about it, then that doesn't encourage any reverence for prophecy. And that, what, what would that mean to anybody in the church? That doesn't make prophecy something special, something powerful. It's just hit or miss. I don't want to do prophecy like hit or miss, you know? Right. I, I want to hear from the Lord and deliver things that are helpful for people. So when I'm wrong, I want to know it. If somebody's wrong, they need to know it so that we can get better, you know, better at hearing from the Lord, better at interpreting what he's saying, better at delivering it so that it's actually helpful for the purpose that the Spirit delivered it for, to encourage, to build up, to console. The, the, what if the Spirit of God revealed something to you to build somebody up, but when you delivered it, you did it in a way that only built you up? You just wanted to demonstrate that you'd heard from the Lord, and you end up flaunting the Word over the person or embarrassing them, or, you know, that's not why the Spirit revealed it. So we need to get better at that. Yeah, you know? so that's so good. Well, it's, you know, you don't really think about these things or wrestle with these things until you try to put it into practice. Yeah. And in a way that's not super safe to your pride or your reputation, you know, like I'm going to stick myself out there and, and I hope I don't want to be wrong. I really, really don't want to be wrong. But if I never deliver a word, then it can't be tested. If it can't be tested, then I don't know if I actually got it. Yeah. Then we never know if we're hearing from Lord. So if you were to say one thing about this to pastors, church leaders, small group leaders, um, what would you tell them? I would tell them what Paul tells them, earnestly desire to prophesy. That's it. And, and I, don't, I, I don't even know what that looks like completely. I, I mean, what did Paul mean when he said that? Earnestly desire it. Well, but it's a gift from the spirit of God. He gives it to whom he wills, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, what am I, what do I just try real hard? You know, I, 
But there, there's something about trying with your spirit. It's not trying with your mind. It, it's not trying to just know, just look real hard at a person until you know something, you know? It's, and, and I've made the mistake too of I'm trying so hard to imagine what the Lord might want to say to a person that I'm not even listening to the Lord, you know? I'm just trying to imagine. So uh, it's listening with your spirit it's asking the Lord, please give me this gift. I want this gift. Our church needs this gift. The world needs to know that you're here, that you have great power. Please demonstrate, manifest your power in this way that was so important, obviously, in Corinth, so important to Paul, so important to you, Lord. Please do it for your namesake. Yeah. That's eagerly, earnestly desiring and, and being willing to lay down your pride and try you know, if you think you've heard from the Lord, then start start in a group where everybody knows they're trying. You know, yeah, lay parameters for sure. Yeah, let's let's okay, let's have a group of people. Even if you're in a small church like ours, or you're in a small group, or you even have a specific group of people where you go, "Hey, is anybody really earnestly designed to prophesy?" And five hands go up in a room. Make a group. And we're going to get together and we're going to try to hear from the Lord together and then say, I think the Lord is saying this and then test it in the group. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I mean, that's not in the Bible. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to put the Bible earnestly desire to prophesy. Well, how, what do we do? Yeah. We've got to do something, you know, we can't do nothing. Uh, So I, I would just say what Paul says, earnestly desire and whatever that means Whatever you can sincerely, in, from faith in the Lord, love for God, love for His church, the desire to build up the church, whatever you would do in order to earnestly desire, do it. Yeah. And believe that you have the Holy Spirit in you. Yeah. So you're not going to go crazy. Like you're not going to go say stuff that's way off if you take it through a process and you have the Holy spirit and you have other people around you who love the Lord, who are in it, like don't be so fearful. Mm -hmm. The spirit mm -hmm. of God's in you. Don't right. be fearful, beloved. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And and if we all understand that there's a lot of grace, you yeah. know, we're, we're all here for the same reason. We love the same things. We have the same spirit. Then there's a lot of grace, you know? And if we're wrong, we're not getting kicked out of the church. We're not being forbidden. We're not going to start despising prophecies. And the, by the way, the reason Paul probably said that to the church in Thessalonica is because some people were probably despising prophecy because they were tired of people being wrong. People keep prophesying and they're wrong or mm. they, they, they're hurting people. They're misleading people, whatever. And we're sick of it. So just done with prophecy. No more of that. And Paul's going, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to really miss out. It's worth the effort. It's worth the testing. It's worth the, the sticking your neck out in faith and, and the scary nature of saying, I believe the Lord's saying, it, it's worth it all when you get it right. You heard from the Lord. It's, it's just worth it, according to the Lord, Absolutely. According, according to the Bible. <laughs> and... Um, on the next episode, we're actually going to talk about stories where we've experienced 
it working. Um, and I'm even going to share some about uh, it not working too. So you get in contact. Stay tuned. Yeah. So make sure (laughs) you listen to the next episode. So, (laughs) all right. Well, thanks everybody for joining on the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button.